This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 24, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. State budgets and state debt has shot up in recent years, so why don't more states limit their spending? And what are the policy implications of state spending caps? Michael New is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. He says spending limits that follow a few guidelines can work wonders to keep lawmakers from spending too much of your money. Why have states considered limitations on spending? I think one of the things we've learned, especially in recent years, is that simply electing Republicans at certainly the federal level and in many, many states uh, provides no guarantee to fiscal conservatives uh, that they'll be able to, one, cut taxes, or two, more importantly, limit spending. I think we've seen at the federal level, we've seen spending increase substantially. Uh, many of the programs that were eliminated uh, shortly after the contract with America in the mid-1990s have actually been uh, reintroduced, and in some cases, getting more and more funding than ever. Uh, overall, we've seen government grow during the uh, administration of George W. Bush faster than at any point uh, since that of the Great Society. So I think one thing we've seen at the federal level, and again in many states, is that simply electing Republicans provides no guarantee to fiscal conservatives that they'll see either limited government or cuts in spending. And as such, fiscal conservatives are interested in trying to find other strategies uh, to limit spending. And one strategy that many have been turning to in recent years is that of state-level fiscal limits or state-level tax and spending limits. How do these various plans to limit state spending differ among states? We've seen a lot of states try different things with regard to uh, fiscal limits. Uh, some of the limitations are perhaps best known are relatively narrow, like property tax limits, like Proposition 13 in California, which passed back in 1978, and Prop 2.5 in Massachusetts, which passed in 1980. However, my research indicates that um, for a fiscal limit to be effective, uh, needs to do three things. Uh, first off, it has to be comprehensive. It has to cover all taxes and all spending. Uh, if it only covers one certain tax, over time, legislature is going to respond to that by just raising other taxes. So the first thing it has to do is it has to be comprehensive. Uh, second thing it has to do is it has to set a low limit. If you put together a fiscal limit and the limit's too high, it just isn't really going to do any good, and it's not really going to constrain uh, government spending that much. So the second thing it has to do is it has to set a low limit. The third thing and the most important thing any fiscal limit has to do is it has to be self-enforcing, that uh, legislatures don't like fiscal limits, they don't like being hemmed in, they like spending money and trying to make uh, make people happy. So essentially, um, it has to be self-enforcing, that the residents of a state really have to see the benefits of having such a limit in place, because again, legislatures don't like to have to live within these limits, and judges are not very good about enforcing them. And we've seen different fiscal limits do kind of fall into each of these different categories. Uh, we've seen some of them just simply set low limits but not been comprehensive, like Prop 13 in California set a low limit for property taxes. But over time, since 1978, we've seen every other kind of tax increase in California from sales taxes, income taxes, taxes on gasoline, beer, wine, cigarettes have all gone up. And as a result, we haven't really seen much of a uh, an improvement in uh, California's fiscal health. Uh, we've seen other limits that I would say did two of the things I talked about. They set a low limit and were comprehensive, but they weren't self-enforcing, and hence they didn't last that long. The two limits I would think that fall to this category are California's GAN limit, which passed in 1979, uh, limited state appropriations, and enjoyed some mixed success at limiting government growth in California. Uh, but over time, legislature became tired of it. And what happened there is they put an education spending mandate in the state constitution and the limit was later raised, uh, which kind of crippled its effectiveness. Another limit that fell in that category that was comprehensive and low but not self-enforcing was that of Washington State's uh, I-601, which had passed in 1993, uh, which did, again, place a limit on spending in Washington for about five or six years. Uh, problem there was it was statutory and not constitutional. And over time, the legislature 
again, decided they didn't want to have to live within the limit and raised it. So the only real limit that's really fallen to each of these three categories, comprehensive, low limit, and self-enforcing, was Colorado's Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, which was passed in 1992. And Tabor was self-enforcing for two reasons. First, it was constitutional, which meant the legislature couldn't raise the limit or uh, weaken the limit very easily. The second thing, and the most important feature of Tabor, was that it offered, when the state took in revenues over and above the limit, it offered tax rebates every year to state residents. So when revenue would come in over and over the limit, taxpayers would get tax rebates every year. And between 1997 and 2001, uh, taxpayers got rebates each of those five years. Your average taxpayer in Colorado got roughly $900 in tax rebates uh, during those five years. During this time, Colorado led the nation in tax relief. And during this time between uh, the mid-90s and 2001, Colorado actually had the best uh, record of economic growth amongst any state. And what's interesting about these tax rebates is that the legislature could spend over and above that limit, but only if majority of taxpayers agreed. And what was interesting is that things would show up on the ballot to spend more money, but voters realized pretty quickly that, wait, if we let the state spend more money, we don't get that big tax rebate. And they voted no almost every time. I think eight of nine statewide proposals to spend over and above the Tabor limit failed. So I think that's kind of the best example we've had thus far of an effective fiscal limit. And I think it's a good model for other states to, to emulate. Michael New is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You can read more about state spending limits at our website, cato.org.